you tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Let's do the right thing. Brought to you by Passion Media, in association with RadioWorks and Maple Street Creative. We are into season five of the LDTRT podcast. It's brought to you in conjunction with Passion Media and RadioWorks. It was set up to tell the story of leaders in the media industries and focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, Passion, to focus mainly on fashion, entertainment and leisure verticals. I've had loads of great advice in doing so along the way and I've factored a lot of it from guests on this podcast. I'm still on the mission to gather the best advice. I'm delighted today to be speaking. Well, in, in fact, actually, I'm delighted today to be speaking full stop, having just coming out of a cold season. But today, in particular, I'm delighted to be speaking with Nick Manning. Nick is the co-founder of Manning Gottlieb Media, now MGOMD, and was the CSO at Ubiquity for over a decade. He now owns a mentoring business, Encyclopedia, offering strategic advice to companies in the media and advertising industry, and is non-executive director of Media Marketing Compliance. He also writes for the Media Leader each month. Nick, hello. How are hello. you? Hello. Hi, nice to meet you and all the better for being here. Well, I'm delighted you're here. How, how, how's things? How's going? All good, actually, yes. It's been, it's an incredibly interesting time uh, for all of us at the moment. Uh, it's a very tough time. Uh, and in some ways, uh, when things are tough, the tough get going, as they say. Um, and what's interesting, I think, is the way that uh, the downturn has kind of focused people on some of the more fundamental things of the industry, like making money, being effective, uh, and all My those gosh, kind of things. I really? Know, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you you say that, but it's surprising sometimes. I mean, I go, well, I used to go to quite a lot of conferences, and after a while, I'm I'm kind of thinking, why aren't they talking about what advertising is supposed to do, uh, which is to build brands and ultimately business and profits and so on. And we got sidetracked a lot, I think, over the last uh, maybe fifteen years or so by other things. Yeah, and. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Oh, I can dive straight into it. I mean, measuring the wrong things. I mean, the, mm. the, the, the digital world came along and started measuring all sorts of different criteria along the way and absolutely took its eyes off what it was supposed to do. Well, I think the the, the, the digital, obviously, the digital world is incredibly interesting, um, but it has some drawbacks. Uh, and a lot of that is to do with data and measurement and tracking and all the things that we know about privacy um, and uh, one of the things I talk about quite a bit at the moment is the fact that, you know, we've been trying to build business person by person, one one by one. And to use the analogy that I've been using this week is, you know, rather than scoring in sixes and fours from a cricketing point of view, we've been trying to score in singles. But sometimes we don't score at all uh, because the people we're trying to meet either just aren't real sometimes or they're the wrong people. They're not taking any notice. So why are we talking about attention? now uh because there's not enough of it about so you know we spent 15 years really trying to sort of say ah right person right time right message and i think to a certain extent while all that has some validity we've taken our eyes off the ball i completely agree Mm. do you think we'll get it back properly i think so i mean certainly uh all the signs are there that we will and um so for example uh ian whitaker has been doing a lot of work recently talking about the fact that 
uh, when you when, you know when companies are doing their their year-end presentations or or their quarterly updates or their analyst calls or whatever, they're increasingly sort of attributing business growth to brand strength and help and uh, and health and equity. Um, and I think one of the things that digital has done is it's focused people on the fact that you can put money in and get money out um, in a way that wasn't true before. So um, I do think the pendulum is swinging back to uh, impact and effectiveness as the main purpose of advertising. Um, they're not the only purpose of advertising, but they are the main purpose. And, you know, it sounds obvious when you talk about it, but you kind of go, I think we've lost some of that over, over time. Do you think that there's been a, it, well, actually, it feels to me that there's been an increase of interest of lawyers and accountants in advertising land. Do you think that that might have driven the focus back into making money? Yeah, well, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and uh, what's what's good about all of this is that uh, the more focus there is on, on effectiveness and impact and, and the ability to actually influence profit, the better it gets because we start to grow up as an industry. And um, you know, I've been in the industry a long time, as you know. Um, and up until recently, advertising was seen as a, uh, a sort of um, uh, cost, not an investment. It was seen not as, uh, as OPEX rather than CAPEX. Um, and I think that's changing. And uh, thank God it is, because I think that means we can grow up as an industry and become a bit more like some other industries, uh, like uh, like accountancy and law, as it happens. Well, and accountancy and law both have a um, have something that advertising doesn't, which is need for qualification to be able to practice in and it. regulation and regulation. Indeed. Yeah. And do you think and, that's coming? Uh, no, I don't, and I hope it doesn't, because I think there's a limit to what you need a bit. But but we can grow up and be um, responsible, uh, properly responsible, without regulation. And in fact, I think we'd all like to avoid that. Uh, unfortunately, I think some aspects of media will require regulation. I think the power of the big platforms uh, is is definitely going to need some form of regulation, and it's starting to ha that's starting to happen already. I think that you know the, the various actions against Google, for example, uh, are long overdue. I think there's a, a real. I would worry about the power of Amazon. Uh, on the one hand, I admire what they're doing, uh, but equally, I'm worried about what they're doing. Because, uh, you know, to quote the old Rolling Stone thing, that's like the giant vampire squid of the industry in some respects. Um, and as uh, Andy uh, Jasser said the other day, we haven't even started yet. You know, we haven't even gone into video yet. Prime hasn't started taking advertising yet. So um, on the one hand, I think it's incredibly interesting what they're doing, particularly with the NFL game on Friday night and so on. Um, but I also worry about their extraordinary dominance of, of that scene, particularly in the US, where they've got 80% of e-commerce and whatever. It's, mm. it's a big number. It's astonishing. It is, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, and it's not as developed over here, but it's on its way. It's on its way, absolutely. And, and, and new new practitioners in the market, like Vector Retail Media, are yes. on their way, and they're going to change things. And it's a really interesting time. Yeah. I, I think um, I, I found a quote that you said recently as well, that I have had a long-held belief that the only solution to the lack of the trust in the media ecosystem is for a client point of view is proper effective me measurement uh, that requires absolute transparency. Yeah. Now, I've, re I've read that out badly, but I think the, the thing that, that, that I need to focus on, on on the media industry is that it's not just the big platforms that need to be held to account. It's everybody in the middle. Well, it is, yeah. And there's an awful lot of murkiness going on still. Yeah, well, I've been commenting on murkiness now for... Well, I started doing this properly around about 2011, 2012, something like that, when I was at Ubiquity. Um, and in fact, uh, I, start, I, I wrote a, a document about it around about that time, which I then ha pressed into the hands of Bob Leodis, who runs the ANA at a conference in Marrakesh run by the WFA. And he read it on the way home, he says. Um, and it was because of that that we ended up getting the 
gig at Ubiquiti to run help run the uh, ANA's Transparency Initiative in 2015 stroke 16, and I was one of the uh, key people behind the solutions part of that. Um, but that was now six, what, seven years ago, uh, coming up for eight, and things are no more transparent now than they uh, than they were then. It's worse, uh, but the money has multiplied several fold. Um, so we've got as as deep a problem on a much larger sum of money. Is it solvable? Uh, only in my view through two means. One is the, some regulation may have to uh, apply, uh, but also if the industry starts to focus on proper impact and effectiveness measurement. Funnily enough, I think commerce media is starting to do that because that's all about if I put a dollar in, how many dollars do I get out? Yep. Um, it's, the, it's the American version of of advertising life um, and, and this is a bit of an aside but I was quite amused by the fact that uh, Mark Ritson and others were sort of saying well the Americans are way behind in terms of the theory of advertising uh, there's no equivalent of Byron Sharp or even Mark Ritson for that matter um, why is this and the answer is because <laughs> they're more commercial um, mm. they take a more pragmatic view which is if I put a dollar in how much am I getting out and they're not that interested in the in the theory of it all and commerce media is, is a really good example of that. Um, so uh, I, this may be very pessimistic, but I genuinely believe that the way that the industry is structured, and I'll come on to talk about this a little bit more in a second, the way the industry is structured is, uh, is anti-transparency. Uh, and that can only change if one group of people change it, which is the advertisers. It's not going to come from the media agency community it's not going to come from the ad tech community and it's not going to come from the publisher stroke digital uh, platform community because it doesn't work in their interests what can the advertisers do then it's very simple they have to i uh, say it's uh, very simple simple to say incredibly hard to do um they have to put uh, impact and effectiveness at the heart of everything that they do and demand that uh, all of the inputs they need uh, to do that measurement properly uh, are available to them which means they need to be able to track every last dime and every last bit of data going through the system from beginning to end yes uh and in particularly in the wall gardens uh, they can barely even scratch the, the surface of that and they only get the data back that the wall gardens prepared to let them have so so it, this might this is a very long-term thing it may not be a popular view uh but uh, i've been involved now in a number of uh, initiatives trying to get media transparency the ana version one in 2016 i was involved at the early part of their programmatic study that is about to be published in full next week um and i wrote the rf co-wrote the rfp for that um and uh the results of that uh are going to be well there should be another wake-up call for the industry um in, in in terms of the headlines um unfortunately i'm not able to say we're not allowed to say what they are but the the point is that it's not going to be pretty um there'll be lots of debate about it and argument over the methodology and figures but in the of course end will. Yeah. you know what it will show is that you put a dollar in at one end as an advertiser and the amount of active value you get out of the downstream to the consumer uh is an awful lot less Oh my God! Can you give us an idea of? Well, I, we when I when I was at Ubiquiti, God knows this is going. I was I I left there five years ago, six years ago, but we used to estimate that um, uh, a dollar going in could be as little as 
15 or 20 cents coming out. That's astonishing. The numbers coming out next week won't be that bad. Right. Um, so it's not going to be quite as extreme as that. But um, they'll still. I think there'll still be numbers that people will kind of go, well, should go, I didn't know. Mm. Or I not maybe not didn't know or... They would say this is but this is worse than we thought it was going to be because the waterfall that you'll see is different to the ones that we've seen before because they stopped at the publisher. This goes further and takes into account invalid traffic and other things like right, that. Right. Okay. So this is going to be the first one of its kind, um, uh, and and that should make people sit up and take notice. So you're going to be on the conference circuit next year talking about this? Uh, well, I'll be writing about it ad nauseam. I mean, when I was at uh, Ubiquity, for uh, I was there for ten years, and uh, after the 2016 uh, report, which I was involved in, uh, I then went on something of a global tour, and I did presentations about it all o- literally all over the world. You know, Toronto and Sydney and all sort, you know, loads of other places. Um, so I spent about 18 months talking about that. I don't think that's going to happen this time because I'm not actually actively involved in the, this report this time. Um, I was involved right at the start and, uh, and, I, and I, I, the a and have been kind enough to keep me in the loop, as it were. Um, you know, there should be a lot of people up in arms, but the reason it, doesn't, it, the reason it hasn't happened, if you'll indulge me for a few moments... Of course. I, as I always say in these things, I don't do brevity. Um, I do breadth, but not brevity... Um, is that um, essentially you've got the advertiser, you know, our clients who pay for everything, and they're, they, they've got three stroke four oligopolies that they're up against. There's the oligopoly of the big media agency groups. The big six control 80% of the world's spend. Um, there's a long tail of mum and pup businesses, but, you know, the big brands. You've got the oligopoly of the ad tech industry, uh, dominated by Google and the trade desk and one or two others. Uh, and then you've got the oligopoly of the big digital platforms, obviously Meta and Google and TikTok and, and now Amazon coming in. And then to a certain extent, you've got a, a much more diverse range of publishers beyond that. Um, but they are controlled to a certain extent by Google because Google uh, owns all the pipes. So yeah. the publishers depend on that. And of course, the publishers also depend on Facebook for their a lot of their traffic so it's all of the, and all of these things all these oligopolies overlap and they've all got vested commercial interests with each other and the poor advertiser has got to deal with all of that so it's not just david versus goliath because david hasn't got a sling and a, and a rock he's got nothing wow <laughs> i know that's that sounds like i'm catastrophizing doesn't it but that is if you stand back and look at it you know uh properly as and I've, i i have the luxury of being able to do that because I have more time, but equally I don't have any vested interest in this, uh, other than the, the, the best interests of the advertiser. Because uh, they're the people who pay all the money, you know, all the money flowing through, yeah. leaving aside subs and stuff, but all the money f- flowing through comes from them in the end. And what's really interesting, and the ANA are quite outspoken about this, um, they say, in the end, the only way this is ever going to get solved is by the advertiser, not by the supply side voluntarily uh, giving up the money. Uh, you know, Google aren't going to change their spots anytime soon, nor are Meta, nor are the big media agency groups. 
it's, it's just not going to come from the suppliers. It's going to come from the, de the demand side. And the only people on the demand side these days are the advertisers. Absolutely. So the, the advertisers put the pressure on the entire ecosystem. I get that. Publishers and beyond can show that this is what we are doing and this is this is the amount of money that we are getting. What I've always had frustration with is how do you actually find that middle ground? Because at some point, you get to a point that you don't know who's talking to each other. Well, you could, no, you don't, because there's no transparency. I mean, the transparency isn't just of money and data. It's 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 transparent. It's lack of transparency, all, all told. So you don't know what the deals are between the SSPs with each other. Mm. You don't know what the deals are between the SSPs and the DSPs. Yep. You don't know anything about that. Uh, and they're all mixed up in a in, in a big chain of, of uh, overlapping deals. And um, so, and typically, a client has a, a, a contract with the media agency, of course. And typically, they can track the money through from the media agency through to the DSP. Yep. And that's about as far and as then they it can gets go. dark. And then yeah. it go, and then it goes dark. So you don't see anything else. You don't see the contracts between the publishers and the SSPs. And to give to give due credit to Isbar in the UK. They have tried to uh, look at this chain from both ends, quite rightly so. They've worked very closely with the AOP and other players, DSPs and SSPs in the marketplace. And they've come up with some of the answers. But, you know, I'm sure uh, even they would admit that there's still a long way to go. Uh, and I suspect there's probably private frustration on their part to, to, to go further. But the industry is the industry, yeah. and the sums of money involved are gargantuan. Absolutely. And you know, going back to the thinking about the effectiveness that you mentioned earlier on, there are small things that can be changed that will have a big effect on effectiveness. So you know, if you, if you look into that, that dark area between the DSP and the SSP and whatever might be going on in the middle, there's a conversation sort of happening whereby the complete uh, objectives of the advertiser are lost. Yes. You know, there, there is a What inventory have you got? What demand have you got is the conversation that's going on. It's not about what is trying to be happening here. No. And there's assumptions that get made in those conversations, oh, that we think that they're after clicks or we think that they're after attention or whatever it might be. And that may not be any part of the brief originally happening. Well, you're, you're painting a, a positive picture there because you're making the assumption that they even think about what the advertisers are is, yeah is they don't it. yeah <laughs> so, so you know uh, those of us who've been around for a long time uh, lived in a world where the uh, advertiser and the people servicing the advertiser had the same interests at, uh, at heart the broadcasters and the print guys and the radio guys and the outdoor guys wanted to make the best to do the best thing they wanted to do the right thing by the advertiser uh, that doesn't Thank work. you for that. Well, it's true, uh, <laughs> and and that no longer applies. I mean, you know, in the end, if you're sitting there and you're chief revenue officer for an ad tech company, you're not really that bothered about what advertisers are trying to achieve. You've got a target to exactly, reach, yeah, and you'll go for that target. And and in, in some ways, you're so far distant from the people at the other end, the advertiser. You're, you're, you're you might be two or three um, hops away. Um, so you don't know what they're after. All you know is I've got my revenue target, and I got to I got to get there, and I'm going to use whatever levers I can pull to get there. Um, whether that's arbitrage, whether it's unseen rebates, whatever whatever it is, and that's where we are. Uh, that's unfortunately that's where we are. So, you know, um, I'm not giving up hope here. I think that if if the clients ultimately get to say right i'm not, i'm a mad as hell i'm not going to take this anymore and i want effectiveness measurement properly then you have to have the data and you have to have the money otherwise you can't build the models to tell you what's working and how it's working now we might be several years off that 
But uh, to me, that's the answer. That's the answer for digital. But do, do you think it might address the the balance for, for non-digital, traditional media, so TV, radio, posters, etc.? Uh, because the, there aren't the intermediaries that exist there. No, you know? but the but it's now it's all hybrid now. So you know, if you're if you're working with linear television or even static outdoor or or even print for that matter, what do you really what you really want to know is what is the total effectiveness of that on my other channels and that could be digital channels it could be search it could be social does it affect my influencer campaigns uh you know it's it's all mixed up in one gigantic uh machine in some ways um and if you're doing effectiveness measurement properly then you want to know how that machine works now you know obviously the data inputs are incredibly diverse yeah, it's like having the world's biggest jigsaw, but it's made up of, of, of... Constantly pe- changing picture. Well, constantly changing picture, but also made up of pieces of other jigsaws. <laughs> so, so, so the picture changes and so do the pieces. So, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a bad analogy or, or a good one, depending on where you sit. But that's what you're trying to do, because none of the data uh, fits. I mean, I was talking to a client the other day who sort of said that the trouble is I don't have a single source of truth. I've got data coming in here and there and there and there. Yeah. It doesn't match. It doesn't fit. Uh, and I want to find people who can make it match and fit. And that, I think, writ large, is the problem that everybody's trying to grapple with. So it feels that feels like uh, the way that has to be the way of the future. So, OK, and, and, and I hope it is. What does that mean for agencies? You know, thinking specifically about you know, relatively small agencies that just started <laughs> in the last year or so. <laughs> to, name, to name but one or two. Well, I, I think uh, it, I made a, this point in the Media Leader podcast. I sort of said, look, this is a media planner's dream in some ways because you've got a vast choice of channels uh, and within each, within each channel you've got vast choice. So within the digital channels you can choose you know, to, uh, the co- different combinations of those. You can decide how to run your open web programmatic or you can or your wall gardens uh, or whatever um so it's great um really it's like having a the, this is another bloody analogy but the, the, it's a, gr- a fantastic toy set i thought you were gonna say box chocolates but... well no le- well yeah leave aside the the uh, jigsaw puzzle but let's let's concentrate on the toy <laughs> it's christmas <laughs> it's coming to christmas um so uh, in some ways that's great the problem is that it's fitting all those bits together, going back to the jigsaws, um, so and making it all work. And I think you know, if you're if you're a media planner, I'll come on to your what does a media agency do in a minute. But if you're a media planner, what you're trying to do is you are trying to go right. I've got all this fantastic choice. Which levers do I pull and how in order to get the best result? And the best result isn't outcomes of visual. You know, it's not kind of coverage and frequency. Um, it's what's what's build what's what's selling what's yeah. building the brand what's flogging the product, so um, and, and and that's the job that you've got. So it's it's a challenge to the planners, but that's that means it's a challenge for the media agencies uh, themselves because they've got to be able to have a they've got to have people who can do that, uh, which isn't easy because they're not many of them. Um, but also you've got to have an incredible range of tools and techniques to be able to do that. Uh, if you are a uh, full-service media agency and trying to do all those things. If you haven't got all those tools and you haven't got all those people, there's a perfectly good scope for for specialising in certain key areas, which I think is probably what you do. It's what we've done, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably absolutely the right thing to do. Um, Trying to be everything to everybody these days is really hard. Uh, Specialising in certain key things uh, is 
hard still. Yes, uh, it's not easy. But you don't have to bat, bowl and field, to go back to cricket analogies again. You don't have to juggle loads of balls. Um, that's not a cricketing analogy, it's just an analogy. Analogy, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, I've got a lot of uh, you know sympathy for, for, for agents, media agencies who have to try and be everything to everybody um, and uh, deliver things which are uh, almost suicidally... Uh, mad to deliver, including ridiculous cost guarantees and, you know, I, I, this has been a constant theme and sorry to be going on for so long. But no, did, not at all. But you, did, but you did invite me. I did. Uh, is, you know, a typical pitch might be, OK, the marketing folks say, you know, we want you to completely reinvent the way that we do media. We want you to look at all this vast array of channels and tell us how we navigate our way through that to get the best uh, result for our business. And they go, yeah, I can do that. And then procurement come along and they kind of go, oh, yeah, and by the way, we want to buy telly 20% cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is by the way, and it's that's such a big piece of information. Thank you. Well, it, it's kind of like, well, you, those marketing people have got their targets, which is to get better media to do that job. Uh, we've got our targets, which is shaving uh, money off the bottom line. Uh, we, want to, you know, we want to be able to demonstrate that we've saved money because that's our job. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, you've got this kind of, push for innovation for the marketing folk and then procurement come along and sort of say oh yeah but you know television's got to be 20 percent cheaper or whatever and when it comes to digital media you can make digital media cheaper uh, by more than 20 percent overnight mm -hmm. you can just buy a load of crap impressions very often that aren't even real people and you know, or seen or or seen yeah. by anybody or whatever so we live you know the trading world is a bit of an anchor on on true innovation in my view and uh, especially, well, even in, especially in television, where things like share deals and CRR still apply. Yeah, we we're not a fan of a share deal. We don't like levering no. people into things that don't work for them. Well, I don't think you can run your business with them, can no, you? Because not at all. you because if you're responsive to the latest results, then how do you know what you're going to spend? Exactly, and and also it's it's a telltale when you look at people's media spend patterns in history. You can see where the deals are in place because there's a spike in yeah. in, in that spend which shouldn't be there. Well, that's right, especially at the end of the year when somebody says we're a long way short of our Channel 4 deal. Can you stick a load more out on Channel mm. 4, whether that's the right thing or not uh, to do? It's, so, yeah, these these issues are still bedevilous. And I do think that will iron itself out over time, but it's just taking an awfully long time to do. It's great for us because it's, mm. a, it's a source of new business. Yeah. Why are you doing that? We didn't yeah. know that we were. Yeah, and obviously that means that you are apply, you, you are appealing to a particular kind of client the ones who operate on that basis, they'll be more performance-based or they'll be more uh, open to that kind of approach. Um, and you're not going to be winning, you know, uh, multi-million multi pound accounts the way that other media agencies have to. Mm. Um, you can do it a different way. So I'm, I'm, I can't tell because you're smiling quite a lot and you've said some quite damning things about <laughs> the industry. What, what is, is the future bright? I think so. I mean, I uh, I wouldn't be doing this unless I thought it was. And um, I, you know, I, I find myself in a, in a diff in an interesting position because um, a lot of my natural optimism is challenged by some of this. But actually, you know, if you sort of take a, a long term view, as I do, which is that some of the you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think the swing back to the pendulum swinging back to impacts and effectiveness is one of those. Um, I think the focus on attention measurement is a good thing. I think the fact that uh, 
big companies are now taking this seriously. They're now talking at their on their analyst calls and in their uh, company reports about the power of brands to build business. Um, there are some good, you know, there's some there's some good signs happening, but I just feel as though we've been down a few cul-de-sacs uh, in in recent times. Um, but we we're now starting to see some light, and and some of it is to do with the fact that with cookies, you know, now third-party cookies going and so on, um, people are starting to talk about context more, talking about attention more. Really? All that, that old thing, put the right ad in front of the right well, people at the right time in the right place. Well, and, and the modern versions of that. So if you go back to ITV, um, you know, one of the things that they've been, they've been looking at is the way that you can now advertise at, at certain key points in programmes. And a couple of examples is, so if, if, it's, a, if, if it's a programme where food is being prepared or is it you know, not just a cookery programme, yeah. but it's the storyline is about cooking or whatever, you can, you can now match your, your advertising to those moments. Um, I believe they're doing an actual one about joy, uh, moments of joy. Um, so so the, 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 digital, the digitalization allows you to be more innovative, inventive and creative about the way that you use those things. So, you know, as, as we go further into the, if you like, linear and digital merging and becoming hybrid, then I think there's a lot more opportunity to, to, to be more creative and effective in that respect. Is there anybody that stands out for you that's doing it really well at the minute? Um, well, I think they, they, there was some good, there's been some good examples. I mean, the, the Palooza, they, they, they used to be good, good examples of people like Marks and Spencers yep. and others are doing that. Um, but the, the reality is we're still in the foot, foothills of this stuff. I mean, it's still early days yet. And the frustration that I feel slightly is that if I'm a big brand and I'm using linear television, uh, it is still planned and bought the way it was when I was a nipper. You know, well, uh, don't don't think we use the pink books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I grew up with green and blue books. I don't know about pink books. Uh, that's an, that must have been an innovation later on. Rose tinted glasses, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so you know, linear television is still stuck in the the past in terms of the way it's planned and bought uh, in many respects. Uh, and yet, there's always innovation in the digital uh, side of television, uh, as announced the other night, and, and, and you know, Channel 4 are doing some lovely things and so on. So it feels as though there's two tracks running here, and it's very difficult to actually then get those to, to run in parallel with each other. Um, and I think, therefore, that uh, we're still in early, the early days of being able to look at uh, you know these hybrid models and get them to work well together is going to be a, a, another is, is another challenge. And talking about hybrid, hybrid models, you've now also got people like Netflix saying, right, on the one hand, we've got a group of ad-free, um, we've got an ad-free stream uh, where people have subscribed to be ad-free. We've now got 30% of our viewers who are receiving ads. So you've got to figure out how much of the Netflix audience is getting advertising and isn't, and how does that relate back to everything else? And the same is going to be true for Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and, and so on and so forth. So this is it's, it is the proverbial constantly moving target that makes life very very difficult for everybody mm. but i find that quite stimulating I, I i like dynamism i like the fact that it's changing i do think there's a business opportunity for people who can work in that environment um but the industry is taking a long time to evolve in order to help that happen you have to do it yourself do you ever hark back to the the days when uh it was center breaking coronation street 20 by 25 by 4 in the sun capital radio breakfast sponsorship and then lunch at the ivy uh i don't well I, well i do remember those days very well i mean uh, i i will this is no exaggeration is that um when i started out as a tv buyer chris inger associates in the 80s 
Um, we we did work in the mornings and not do much work in the afternoons. And on Friday afternoons, we went out. We used to go up to Hampstead to a restaurant called Maxwell's, um, which I don't think exists anymore. And that was our afternoon. We we you know we we basically knocked off at, at lunchtime on a Friday, um, and that was it. And if we did work in the afternoon, it was it was just admin. Um, and I don't harp back to that at all. I think it was it was fun while it lasted. But I find uh, today's media environment far more interesting, far more dynamic. It is, yeah, um, and far more businesslike as well. Well, it is. It's absolutely it's grown up, as you yeah. said at the very beginning. Mm. Not as much as it needs to, but it's still it's a lot more better than it was. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. We're still holding on to a little bit of it, though. We do we do a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> at sort of three thirty, four o'clock well, in the room, Nelly Dean, but but there's room yeah. for that, isn't there? I mean, it doesn't all have to be all work and no play. I think we've we've kind of swung from uh, a lot of play and not much work to the other way around. And there is, you know, finding that balance is really hard, especially now with so much working from home. How agencies are managing that, I don't. I'm not quite sure. I don't know how. I've got a lot of time for people who have to think about that but um, to get that balance right is always difficult and it's even harder when you've got workforce in some days not others uh, Christ knows how you manage that well the sort of moving parts you know five years ago you talked to anybody about what the most important thing about working in an agency was it would be the culture yeah now it's not it's how much time can I work from home and it's yeah. very difficult to build a culture in an agency now. it is yeah and culture is is uh, well it's nine tenths of agencies really I mean in the end you know, you can take a person out of one agency and put them in the other. They're still the same person doing the same job. But the cultural, the cultural fit is crucial. It's when they feel good about where they are with other people who feel good about where they are. That's when you get good culture. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the great things about uh, our old agency, Manning Gottlieb, uh, uh, OMD, MGOMD, is that the culture there um, is still recognisable to how it was when we first set the business up. And one of the great things about agencies, and this is true of some of them, but not all, is that uh, they, for some reason, despite loads of churn in their people, they still manage to retain the same culture. I've got no idea how that happens. Well, I did speak to Tim Pearson <laughs> last night, and he yeah. said that it's because you always hire great people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's talking about himself. <laughs> well, he was. and uh, but, but, but actually, there are quite a lot of people there now who, who have been there a very long time. Uh, a, because they... Uh, presumably they like it. I, I'm sure they uh, get paid well and so on. Um, but they make the culture. And uh, there's something about institutional culture that, that uh, is important in all of this as well. And that applies not just to media agencies, applies to all the many walks of life. Institutional culture is really important. So in your advisory capacity now, is this the kind of thing that you're delivering out to people, talking about transparency, about culture, about how to turn it into being about making money? Um, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I, a lot of what I do is a, is is commentary. Um, and I do more of that than anything else these days. I do do some consulting business. I've got other companies I'm involved with uh, in a non-executive capacity. I'm a chairman of uh, a non-executive chairman of a company. Um, but actually, the bit I enjoy is um, this bit, actually, uh, standing back, being able to have the luxury, if you like, of time and distance and detachment to be able to stand back and try and 
join the dots up. Uh, and that's what I do a lot of these days. Um, and it's why, for example, I'm excited about um, commerce media. And I'm deliberately using commerce media rather than retail media as, a, as, a, as an expression, because I believe commerce media, which is what the US call it, is much broader than just retail media. And talking to Vector and people like that, um, uh, in, in, and people you know that you're involved with, um, that, you know, that's where, that's, I find that really interesting. So the fact that social commerce is, is, is becoming big, you're seeing deals between Amazon and Pinterest and Meta and others um, to get into the f social commerce world. You know, there's lots of interesting things going on, and I'm interested in all of it. Um, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a sort of uh, a, a hobby horse uh, as such, except that uh, I believe in good advertising that builds brands and builds profit. Um, and, you know, so when people sort of say, oh, well, you're, you're anti-digital, which occasionally happens, I go, no, no, I'm not. Mm. I'm actually pro anything that helps advertisers do a better job. It could be YouTube, it could be search, it could be TikTok, it could be Facebook, it could be anything, as long as it's good advertising. The problem is there's so much of it that isn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of actually feels like a very natural place to, to round up then, that the future is bright as long as we continue to do good work. Well, it, yes, and that, but that's always been true, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, this is not, there's nothing new about no. any of this. I mean, the, the, the great thing about media agencies and I'm having spent 27 years doing this, it was always about doing the right thing. Um, you know. Keep saying that, please keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was and it is and it still is. Uh, doing the right things and doing things right. And, um, you know, to, in order to achieve that, you have to have certain values and things that you believe in. Uh, integrity being number one, I think. Honesty being massively important. And when I, I started to fall out of love with the media agency world, when... I was asked to be dishonest mm. and that went against my principles. God knows it must be something to do with my Catholic upbringing or something. I don't know. Um, but it was, it was when we had to call black white or we had to take a position that wasn't correct. Um, I remember, and I won't go into details cause it's a bit too sensitive, but at one point, one of my staff in the wider group, uh, sent a letter to a client saying, uh, We'd never accept uh, kickbacks from media owners, rebates. Didn't use the word kickbacks, but we don't. And it wasn't true. Uh, but it was the sort of thing that we were uh, required to say back then. And I saw this letter and it had already gone out. I couldn't stop it. And I thought, oh, shit, that's just not true. And I don't think we can lie to our clients. That, that explains very nicely and tidily the, 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 the move into ubiquity then. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite that uh, logical and, and, and obvious. I mean, <laughs> we post-rationalise everything. Well, guess, life but, doesn't yeah. life isn't that linear, is it? I mean, you know, Christ, if it were, we'd be we'll be in a different place. But um, I found, uh, and in fact, uh, joining Ubiquity uh, wasn't even Ubiquity at the time, but it was the old Billets operation. But we turned it into something else, and and its mission changed from being an audit business uh, to a business that was more about. Uh, effectiveness and transparency or rather that was what we were trying to achieve our business model meant that we were still stuck in the audit world for too long um, but we, we wanted to make it about effectiveness uh, and transparency and and doing better media uh, we were partially successful in that 
but uh, not as much as we should have been for various reasons. But um, so, yeah, it, it appealed to my sense of uh, morality. Uh, I felt that that was more important than just making money. And unfortunately, the media agencies, generally speaking, as an industry, went down that route of making more money from uh, media owners than they were making from their own clients. And as soon as you do that, you're a seller. Exactly. Um, and uh, you know, if you're doing, if you're, if you've got inventory media and principal trading deals and all that sort of stuff, and you're making a margin on that that client doesn't know about, uh, then you become a seller, not a buyer. And that kind of wasn't where I wanted to be. Fair enough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Oh, it's a great pleasure. I mean, I, I tend to go on about these things, but uh, that's because I still feel quite strongly about them. Oh, that's absolutely that's <laughs> perfectly fine. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's very yeah, clear it's that you great. do enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's... Uh, I, 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 as I said to people sometimes, said I, I haven't yet discovered the off switch or even a dimmer switch. It's kind of, um, you know, people say to me, why are you still bothering to do all this sort of stuff? And I kind of go... I don't know, really. It's just natural to me. I don't. I, I. I. wake up thinking about it, and I go to bed thinking about it. I can't stop that. So I'm going to carry on doing it for as long as, as long as it carries on happening. And we're glad that you do. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Let's do the right thing. Is curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Brought to you by Passion Media in association with RadioWorks, and is a Maple Street Creative production. Discover more episodes and leadership insights by searching Let's Do the Right Thing podcast.